Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today on our show, we've got another amazing guest. He is a talk show host, a Radio Hall of Fame inductee, an Emmy Award winner, and is just one hell of a way to spend an afternoon or Friday cocktail with. Welcome to the show, Gary Meyer. How are you doing there? David, I think that last thing you mentioned is probably my strong suit, just having a cocktail with you at this point. <laughs> I love your podcast. Yeah, we'll get to what you do on Fridays there. But uh, yeah, just kind of having fun is, is the key uh, today. And uh, I'm excited about this interview and, uh, and speaking with you. Um, so yeah, let's let's just roll with it. Uh, first question here. So Gary, why can't a fish be a radio host? Well, I got to be honest with you, David. I think at this point, a fish might qualify because of where that business has gone over the years. And I started a number of decades ago when radio was the ultimate communication platform well, at least in the band of what we had, we had, what, four TV channels and AM and FM. And when you have that small of a group of conduits for information and entertainment, you got a lot of people listening and watching. And then over the years, as technology has shown us, that gets fragmented. And now we're in this strange universe of 7 million, 8 million podcasts and radio still kind of doing what it did 50 years ago. And I don't think it's upgraded to where it has to, to swim with, well, the fishes might be taking over radio, but I don't know if that's going to keep you afloat. And I don't know if there's a lot of puns and stuff in there. Sounded like it in my head. <laughs> and I, here, Here's my equation or my uh, parallel as far as radio goes. It's the same as Sears was Amazon a hundred years ago. It was the same design. It had a catalog with anything you could want in it, and they delivered those things to your doorstep. And now Sears is out of business, and Amazon is Amazon. This is what happens when you don't keep an eye on where things are going, even though you've created something, you're the originator, you're the founder, but that doesn't guarantee you forever life if you don't look at competition and everything else and stay with it. And that's what has happened to radio. So here we are uh, doing what we do and radio is sounding antiquated. And I think anybody under 40 wouldn't even listen or tell you they listen to the radio. That's the sad part. It hasn't replenished the listeners over the years and younger listeners uh, are on to way more things on the internet. So having said all that, and I hope that isn't a long way to get to the point of it's still a viable medium and it just needs to put content on there that people want to listen to. It won't have the crowd it maybe had 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it's still in business. So act like you're in business. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the the question had, had a punchline as well. And that is because if he goes on the air, he'll die. And uh Kind of what you just explained is happening in radio as well. And over the years, though, 
um, you've seen transitions happening in the field. Um, is the m delivery system just changing or is the industry making changes then as well? It's, it's a combination of both, David. And as far as radios management's thinking, what I have noticed in my entire career, they were always, and I don't know what motivated this type of thinking, either it was fear or denial or a combination. There was always this denial of new technology encroaching on radio. And it was the same thing when satellite came in, the radio people decided, well, we'll compete with that by adding these HD channels to our main band. And I'm thinking, but they will be commercial free. And you're telling people to go to those bands alongside your mainframe, your moneymaker. So you're telling people to leave the money-making entity that would support the other channels that you're promoting that are commercial. It didn't make any sense. And then the HD radios were $500. It was the, we'll do this and we'll compete with satellite. They were in denial when podcasting started. I remember being on the radio and podcast started, what is it, 10, 15 years ago, and management saying, well, that's a bunch of mopes in their basement and that's not going anywhere. And I'm thinking... The, the camel's nose is under the tent. That's where you got to start paying attention. And now the camel's completely in the tent. And there's this, this point of, we'll just do what we've done for 50 years because it worked for the first 40 or 50. And therefore, it must still work, right? No. No. And here's the other thing, David, that's kind of interesting to me. I hear these radio stations going, uh, W whatever hey, it's our 100th anniversary. And I would think, oh my God, don't tell people that you're 100 years old. That's fine <laughs> if you're a bank or an airline because you want that kind of legacy for that. But your yes. entertainment, you don't want to tell people it's 100 years old. You're already under the cloud of it's an antiquated kind of form of entertainment. Don't remind them of how old you are. Say you're, you're still happening and, and ready to do stuff that's going to work in the future. So I'll sit down and listen for my answer on that one. <laughs> no, basically, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. And media in general is kind of this love-hate relationship. Uh, what are some of the things you've loved about it? And what are some of the things you've hated about it? When I got into radio, it was, if you're of my age, you remember radio with the transistor? delivery system, the transistor radio. It only was AM right. and then uh, FM came in and took over the music formats because the fidelity was better and AM went to talk. But in my day, the DJs were hanging with the Beatles and anything that was worth talking about that was cool to a teenager, the guys on the radio, and it was all guys, would tell you about it and be hanging with those cool things, those cool people. That's what made it so special to me. And I thought, wow, uh, that, that seems like a cool job. And I didn't initially think about going into it as a, as a vocation or as some kind of occupation that I could do. But then one day, here was the catalyst. There's a guy on in Chicago back in the 60s. And he would read a letter from the listener. It was called the clunk letter of the day. He'd take a listener's letter, read it on the air. And he'd always talk about being reincarnated as a butterfly. One day I found a dead butterfly on my lawn. I thought, 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tape this butterfly to a piece of paper and typewriter, this is what we used, typed up a letter and said, hey, his name, uh, Larry Lujak. I said, dear Larry, I think I killed one of your relatives. I'm sorry. And sent it to him and he read it on the air. And when I heard my material on the air, that was the moment where I started to get interested in, in doing that as a living. The other point that really drove me to pursue it, the movie American Graffiti, because the centerpiece was a guy by the name of Wolfman Jack, and they, he was yes. on the radio throughout the movie, and it was on in the background through the whole movie because it was a car movie, and people were always in their cars, and he was on, and they'd be listening to him, and boom, 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 and then Richard Dreyfus in the movie visits Wolfman Jack at his studio, and when I saw that, I, oh, now I have to do this. This is so cool. And, and it was cool when I got into it, and I had some incredible years doing it. So who are these, some of these people you met and hung out with then? That well, I, I got were... to meet Wolfman Jack. Nice. About a year or two after the movie came out, I thought, oh, my God. I walked into the room, and there he is. And, so, and here's the other thing. When you meet people that you've idolized, and then they're really nice, that just solidifies the fact that it, it's that because it could be the other way, too, where you meet somebody and they're a complete ass. And then that right, ruins yeah. the whole thing for you. <laughs> Fortunately, he was great. And and when I have met these people over the years, it, it gave me the uh, feeling where if I was working at a grocery store, I wouldn't be able to meet these people because of what I do. I get to meet all these cool people. And I never took that for granted because it, to me, was it was such a... an interesting way to expand your horizons on these people that have become the big deals in their field. And then you get to meet them and then they share their wisdom with you and, and on and on. So it it had a lot of layers, David, of God, this is a great, and it paid well. And I thought, well, this is a skill that in school I pretty much would be suspended for. And now I can make a living doing this, which is cracking wise. I guess if I had to describe what I do, it's cracking wise on things. I don't yeah, know if I make have a lot of skills. jokes about it. I don't know, David, if somebody said, okay, uh, you got to support yourself tomorrow by building a deck on somebody's home. You'd find my skeletal remains in the backyard in about a month. I wouldn't be able to do that properly. I admire people that do because I work construction. Before I got into radio, the only real job I had was working construction for a couple of years as a laborer. I loved every minute of it. I loved watching how a house is built. I loved watching how these people did their trade, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, and I like physical labor. That's the funny part. And I got into something that has no real physical labor associated with it. But it's, it's the only skill I have that I know of, and I so, was able to manage to make a living. Yeah. So you've got the, the skill of being able to make light of horrible situations happening or just everyday blah situations that people deal with and hone that skill over over time as well um but when it comes to your voice it is a deep radio voice it is that fm dj voice um now were you birthed with a good voice or did you have to work on it like are, are radio people podcast people born with a good voice or how do they build it? That's certainly a component because it's an audio medium. And if the audio coming through is not pleasant, it's not going to attract people. 
I understand that. I don't know what my voice sounds like to you. I know what it sounds like in my head. And when I was working construction and pumping out crawl spaces, nobody said to me, you know what? You have a great voice for radio. <laughs> I was pumping out a crawl space. That was it. <laughs> I didn't get into radio because I thought I had a good voice. I got into radio because I wanted to do my content on that medium because it seemed like it would be a good avenue for me. Everybody in my family has this voice. I have five brothers and sisters. They all have this voice. And listen to this. My sisters have this voice to where when they would answer the phone as kids, the person on the other end would say, they thought it was our, my father. Right. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Because uh, <laughs> the voices were all, we all got this, whatever this is. And, and that's how it came about. You have to have content. You could have... To me, having a great voice, but no content is like delivering pizzas in a Bentley. Right. You've got to put, the, it's the whole thing. It's nice to have a good voice because again, because it's a, an audio medium, people get lulled into that. They like the sound of voices. Here's an example of how I like the sounds of voices. And if you remember the football duo of John Madden and Pat Summerall, yes. when they would call a game, even if I wasn't interested in the game, I would put that game on because I loved the sound of their voices together and I loved their camaraderie. I loved the whole thing. That's yes. the kind of thing I like. When that kind of percussion is happening, it's golden. How do you develop that communication uh, back and forth banter that is just fun and you do it with everyone? Like uh, you could be in the grocery store lineup and, and pull out that, that well, skill you. of yours. And to that point, I worked with two different partners on radio, both very successful. And I guess I figured out that when I look at somebody and hear them for a while, I get their rhythms and I know where to kind of insert what I do. And that's what happened with these duos that I was part of. They had their style and my style was, to put it succinctly, say they'd talk for five, six, seven, eight minutes about whatever. And I'd sit there and I'd listen and I would punch up whatever they said. And it could be a word, it could be a line. And that was my skill set, but it worked very well to the point where the listeners would say, I would listen to so-and-so because I knew coming up, you're going to have a punchline that's going to pay this thing off very nicely. So that became my my position in these duos, and you and I are part of this group called Metal, where every Saturday we meet in this Zoom conference, and then the comment section is constantly running, and with anybody speaking, I will sit there, as you will witness, and I'll listen, and I'll think, there's a line here, and I'm a punchline, and I'm going to put it in the comment section, and that's the fun of watching people and listening to people to take something that they just said and twisting it a little bit and having to come out the other end with some kind of laugh associated with it. Uh, yeah, definitely. And with that being said, what do you think is the power of humor with, with everything? And especially like uh, the chaos in the world. And of course, this is blasted through the, the media. But you do have that skill to make a punchline or a joke or to uh, move people into a different state. Um, how has that kind of made you feel over the years and made, made other, like, what are you reading off people with that? Well, I get these emails 
from listeners who've been listening for a long time, and they'll say, I remember I was driving in the car, and you said this 30 years ago. And I have forgotten that I said that, but I looked at it, and I thought, wow, if I said that, cool, because that's funny to me now. That's what I like, (laughs) leaving listeners with something in their head that they can pull up at any time and go, when he said that, that really put me in a good mood. And I don't do any politics. It's not because of Trump or Biden or any of these people recently. From the start of my career, David, I never did politics. It wasn't my lane. It wasn't my wheelhouse. I don't find it entertaining. So that was never going to be part of it. And a listener described what I do this way. He said, uh, you deal in all the nonsensical bullshit on the planet. And that's really it. I look at the planet and I take the things that I can work with and and use that non-political. And there's a lot of other stuff out there, sans politics, that is up for making fun of. And, and, and that's my goal, to find that stuff and do that. It's like what, a Seinfeld uh, show. What's your current uh, target or, or, or thing that well, jazzes you up to make fun of right now? Well, then? okay. Uh, the most recent is this incredibly insane situation in Israel, right? Nothing I can make fun of there except... When I watched the news coverage, and here's where I went at it, I thought, oh my God, the news anchors from these network shows ran over there to do what? I don't know. I don't know what their point is of running over there, aside from getting ratings and selling commercials. And really, that's it. Let's be honest. But here's the topper. You have a David Muir, the ABC anchor, over there with a vest on, a bulletproof vest that says press. And I'm thinking, if I'm a crazy ass, terrorist. Do I give a crap if this guy has press on a vest, if I want to kill him? I think that's, and they're embedded with the real people doing the dirty work, the the people that are looking for these idiots, these terrorists. And I'm thinking that seems silly. And then David, to top it off, had a, an army helmet on, like he's in the, you know, I'm, I'm a hero. I'm, I'm like these guys. I'm brave. I'm like the Israeli soldiers. Look at me. And then he would walk around and point to things that you could see and didn't, they didn't need any narration. Oh, that's a, oh, look at that's a baby buggy overturned and there's a shoe. And I'm, why are you there? It's really so transparent now that they're all over there just to get ratings. And are they, here's what they would, should do if they would want to make this a little more uh, digestible to what they're doing. Say at the end of the newscast, because we're over here and, and really looking at the misery that these people are going through. We're going to take all the money we've made in this particular newscast and donate it to something that's helping these people. At least that would make it go down a little better. They're just selling commercials. You're going from this Hamas atrocity to selling commercials right in the same segment there. And it, 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 it's I know it's always been that way, but it seems more completely out of control now where it's in your obvious face. they're just there for yeah. that. In your face vanity and just yeah. disgustingly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. If it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. Um, well, yeah. And, but, and then the newscast was Hamas. And then this, this guy that stabbed this kid to death because he was listening to conservative radio, they said, and he, the kid's uh, Muslim and he stabbed the kid and the mother and then they go to, and Suzanne Summers die. It's the same 20-some minutes with that to Suzanne Summers died. And I'm thinking, would Suzanne Summers' death be in a network newscast 30, 40, 50 years ago? 
this is what I mean. Right. It's such a mishmash of what are you doing? Oh, it's, it's yeah, incredible garbage and people are tuning into it though. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one of those hate things about the media. And uh, I know radio is a little, somewhat different from that. Um, but the, the vanity of, of a lot of it and we can, yeah, dive into social media as well. But, uh, I think what exemplifies it even more is, uh, how these values change and become about, oh, me, 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 uh, is how you described Burning Man this year. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I talked to a person who went to Burning Man this year on my cocktail show a few weeks ago, and he's describing this, and I'm thinking, I, I, don't, I still don't get it. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, when somebody describes crypto to me, and they could do it as if I'm a six-year-old, and I still don't get it. And it's one of those things with Burning Man, and he's describing these events, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah all right, uh, uh, maybe I'm missing something. It's not, not my, my game. I, I'm not seeing me at Burning Man anytime soon, but right, hey, yeah. that's what makes the world go around, as they say. Now, this guy also, to add on to this guy's life, he went down in the Titan submersible several years ago. Oh, okay. Get this. So he goes down. The first day they go down, the submersible gets stuck. And they were told to, by that guy that died in this last one, they were told to rock the tin can that they were in, and it loosened whatever they needed to loosen. They went back up. He went back down the next day. And I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't go at all. But he goes down the next day. It was successful. And that's the kind of guy, he likes this kind of stuff uh, to get in the middle of things that could be, well, death. Yeah. And a lot of what's out there, though, is to make mundane things sound death-defying. Well, uh, I, before you say anything else, there's something that came out in the last 24 hours as far as this coverage of Israel and these other events. Some of the footage on the internet that claims to be part of what's going on there was from 15 years ago in some other confrontation. Right. Yeah. And it's all mix and match to get some weird point across or just to tell a bunch of false narratives and get reaction from people. Now, is this kind of what happened originally in radio too and why you're so jazzed now to, to be doing podcasts instead? Is that it was this freedom to just put your voice out there, your opinion, and ridicule the, the insanity in the world. And then it slowly became mainstream and mm -hmm. anyone with opinion was fired and ridiculed and out of the profession. And now is it kind of a rebirth for you then? Yes to, I think, everything you said there as far as radio 30-some years ago got caught in this FCC, and I know witch hunt is thrown around a lot these days, yeah. but this was something 30-some years ago where I was with my partner and Howard Stern and several other broadcasters got into the FCC's uh, view, and they came after us, and we pretty much won all of the whatever charges they were filing. But here's what I found out, and this is really frightening. The FCC isn't in a room monitoring radio stations and TV stations all day. They react 
to, in radio's case, if one person sends them a tape of something I said or Howard Stern or anybody said, and they didn't like the sound of it, they thought it might break the rules of the FCC, then they'd go and start investigating. One person, 500,000 people could like it, one person could take it down. And that's how out of sync the FCC was or still is. But it started the trend of dialing down where these radio stations got spooked so they wouldn't hire people that were pushing the envelope as much. And then they completely watered it down to where they didn't want to pay anybody anything. And now the talent pool is such that you're getting, I don't know what you're getting. When I listen to the radio, I can't believe some of the stuff I'm hearing. It, it just sounds as if they don't care. And oh, they that, don't. That is, yeah, it's the same, same rhetoric that you hear over and over. Uh, but what you're describing is a lot of what we're hearing right now in kind of woke culture and, uh, and uh, the debate against that. Uh, let's go into the nonsensical side of, of, uh, of that in comparison to what you went through with the, with the regulation boards back then. Well, with podcasting, there are no guardrails. Nice. You go from rules to the Wild West, and that is an interesting transition, and I'll tell you how it happened. I was on this radio station in Chicago, and they moved me, this was 10 years ago, to their digital platform, which was new at the time for radio stations to do that, to start straddling both. And initially, I thought, well, I'm so used to being on AM or FM, I was kind of on this shaky ground, I thought, of going to digital, but here's what happened the first day. The first day on this digital platform, I talked for an hour and 45 minutes straight because I could not believe the freedom of not having any breaks, commercials, traffic, weather, and all that (laughs) dramatic stuff that you're saddled with with radio where you talk for six, seven, eight minutes, stop, six, seven, eight minutes, stop. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I filled in on a Chicago radio station and it is interesting to go back to that. So I get started. I'm talking, talking, and then in my ear, I hear from the producer, uh, we've got to take a break, got to do traffic. And I'm, oh, okay, because now I have to readjust again to that. What radio needs to do is they have to loosen with this formatic stuff that they're doing the same format of from 50 years ago. People don't need traffic and weather from the radio station. It's all on their phone. <laughs> they, they use their phone. See, that's why you can't get young listeners, whether they come regardless. but you don't need to do those things. And it clutters the hour where you're trying to get something going and then you're stopping and starting and stopping and starting. I don't know why they haven't adjusted to that. I don't know how they don't know that anybody can get traffic and weather on their phone. It's yeah. And <laughs> the, the, some of the funniest memes are actually the, the weather reporter memes and uh, uh, yeah, I just, Start laughing and think of Anchorman when you start saying some of this stuff. Uh, and I've said on when I was still on the radio, on my radio shows, unless you're a pilot or an astronomer, I don't know why you need to know the weather that closely. Look out the window. You can kind of figure it out. But it was, okay, uh, pilots, the airports all have their own weather department. And astronomers, they know if it's cloudy, then put the telescope away. Done. <laughs> What, what else do you need to know? I, unless something cataclysmic is happening. Oh, my God. 
I hear you. No, I live yeah. in Canada, and right now it's all the predictions of what winter is going to be. Yeah. And all right. Right. The sky here's is falling. The, yeah. Here's the easy grab prediction. Your ankles. Yeah. It's grab your ankles. Be a long, it's... cold winter. Okay. But I'll adjust to that when it comes. I can't plan yeah. for something that's three months away right now. Exactly. I'll have a heavy coat ready and whatever. But to do that, you're right. This is where we're at in society where everything we, we think about, according to the media, is you got to plan ahead, meaning they start putting the Christmas stuff out at the department stores in July. And by the time Christmas comes, you're burnt out from the whole experience. But we're always six months, a year ahead where I want to live in this moment. Okay, this is the moment I have. This is all I have. I'm going to live in this moment and then I'll kind of plan a day or two ahead or a week. But beyond that, I don't know what to do, but they have you running in these circles of, you better get ready because something's coming. Okay, when it comes, I'll deal with it. Right, exactly. Why stress out when you don't have know, to? But that's their, see, <laughs> okay, here's their whole platform. There's a boogeyman out there and yeah. we're going to protect you and warn you of the boogeyman. And that's what happened really, and it was solidified on 9-11, where after that, there's a boogeyman, Got to be another boogeyman, boogeyman out there. Be careful. We're going to keep you safe. And they want you to be clinging to their delivery system because they have all the answers. They have all, all the safe routes for you. And it's all crap. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so making s- sense of the nonsensical or making fun of it, um, what is another kind of thing that's just burning at your side right now? <laughs> well, uh, this show called The Golden Bachelor. Do you get this in Canada? Uh, probably, but I, I, I haven't watched it, to be honest. It's, it's from the people that have given us The Bachelor and Bachelorette over the years. Oh, God, They've no. gone to the <laughs> baby boomer demo with this one. What? The Bachelor, is like, the bachelor <laughs> featured is about 72, and the women are in their 60s and 70s. And... <laughs> For those of us in the baby boomer demo, I'll speak for myself, but I think it, it's pretty much the way we think altogether. I'm in denial. I don't want to think about aging and all that. And so I'm going to be in my little world of denial. The first shot on this Bachelor, Golden Bachelor series, they show the Bachelor putting hearing aids in. I swear to God, it was the first shot of the first episode. I'm thinking, Jesus, do you have to remind people about aging can't you just do this damn show and try to find something that makes it feel like aging isn't so bad? First shot, putting the hearing aids in. And then there's another moment in one of the episodes where he's on a one-on-one date with one of the women and she goes, we have something in common. She pulls her hair back and she's got a hearing aid. Oh wow! I'm thinking, so I did on my uh, website, uh, my GaryMeyer.com website, I do a blog every couple of weeks, and it's in the out of my mind section. I did the top 10 things that the women on The Bachelor, The Golden Bachelor, said to The Bachelor. And one of them was, do you think this looks cancerous as they're sitting in the hot tub? Because this is what I'm assuming they're all going to get to with this aging thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they're looking at skin tags. Do you think this looks cancerous as they're sitting in the hot tub? Hey, now, uh, you posted a top 10 on this, didn't you? Yes. It's on my blog at GaryMeyer.com. And uh, one of the others is uh, num- like number seven, uh, 
Hey, just to let you know, I wash my Prevagen down with a gin and tonic every day. Let's just go for the whole aging Fugazi and have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, right now, we're talking kind of middle of the day and we're heated. We're in this and having a blast. Um, no cocktails, correct, right now? As far as you know, yes. <laughs> Even though it might appear to you like I have been on some juice, but no. All right. But on Fridays, you have a couple cocktails and let even more loose on your show, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I decided by the end of the week, I think people have had it. They need to strip away the goo that they've experienced Monday through Thursday. What better way than to all gather and let's have a drink and just pretend like whatever happened during the week didn't happen and get ourselves situated for the weekend. I know this living for the weekend thing is suspect in that it's only two out of seven days. So your life yeah. is basically two out of seven days. No, let's make it a whole week if we can. But right now, Friday, you're done with work. I have my Manhattan and then I get really loosened up. And like last Friday, I really teed off on some stuff because when I <laughs> get the right mood going, I'm going to blow. And I admit this on the show, I'm going to blow, stand back. And I have people put on their Oppenheimer goggles because the fireball is coming. And what I think added to that this past Friday, we had this eclipse over the weekend. And whenever there's an eclipse, I find that the world is a wonky, it's a little wonkier after an eclipse, because when you have yeah. the moon making the sun, it's biatch. When these things that are beyond our scope start screwing with each other, if you can call them each or other, whatever you want to call them, things for us on the planet Earth get wiggy. And that eclipse thing, every time there's an eclipse for the few days, whatever, after, things don't seem right. And it's the universe doing what it does. And I say to people at night, go outside, look up in the sky, and realize the universe doesn't give a damn about us. So enjoy the day. This is bigger <laughs> than we can imagine. They can turn the web telescope off because no matter what it sends back, we can't comprehend it. <laughs> I think it's funny we keep looking for it. We can't comp All we care about is if the McRib is back on the menu at McDonald's. That's all we care about. We're down to that. So don't give us anything we can't grasp. It just adds to the confusion. <laughs> I hear you on that. Uh, uh, so what are some of your uh, lunar and uh, ecliptical uh, predictions coming into the future here? And uh, when is that going to be released on your next podcast? Oh, well, when is the next eclipse? I, I think people need to pay attention to when it's happening and then calibrate afterwards or the day of what's going on. Do things seem, they say when there's a full moon and we feel it because our bodies are mostly water. And when that moon starts working on, as, they, as it does the tides and everything, it makes things strange. And I don't think we can... <laughs> push this aside as much as some people might want to, there are bigger forces working in the universe and we need to pay attention. And I just wonder if it was a coincidence or something else where this Israeli thing happened right in front of this eclipse coming in to being. I'm not saying that one triggered the other entirely, but boy, the, the juxtaposition seems a little weird. 
And isn't that the basis of a lot of like Mayan calendar stuff as well? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you go back in history and look how people reacted to certain things and they didn't understand a lot of what was going on until more recently, but yes, but think about us. We're here. We don't know why we're here. And there is the theory that we're a mistake. We shouldn't be here at all. The planet is four and a half billion years old and we're what, 300,000 years Whatever amount, it's not as much as the planet itself, meaning, David, the planet was here way before we were here and will be here way after we're here. And when you look at hurricanes and fires and and tornadoes and all that, and I'm thinking, well, that's the Earth doing what it's always done. It just so happens we're in front of it. We're in the middle of it. And the Earth doesn't care that we're on coastal property. It's doing what it's always done. We just happen to set up shop where it's in the way. (laughs) Deal with it. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> and then too, uh, I'm just going to add fuel to the fire here. Um, we look at astrology and personality types. And uh, one person said something to me, and this goes back to the evolution of radio and everything else just being cyclical and having patterns, is that uh, the world will never change because the people stay the same. That there are these subtype personalities that kind of just get recycled generation after yeah. generation. And yeah. how do you think that forms? Well, it is pretty much uh, solidified in looking at history and where we're going now seems much like decades past. And we always claim we're going to learn from history. We're not going to repeat history. And yet here we are repeating another war maybe in the balance yeah. and it and we don't learn or don't want to learn but you're right it's it's humans we're talking about and in some cases i look at these tiktok videos of animals treating each other better than people do and Sometimes. animals of different species not where a dog right. is taking care of another dog it could be a monkey and a dog getting along and i'm thinking well there you have it animals are more compassionate than humans and maybe we should have a monkey run things and see if they do any worse, because this, <laughs> a lot of this ain't making sense. Definitely. All right. So once again, how do people find and listen to you? Because the next show is going to be about monkeys, I believe. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I, maybe I'll be replaced by one. GaryMeyer.com is where my website is, and that will trigger the podcast and everything else you need to know. I like keeping things simple, David. There was a show on when I was a kid called Commander Cody, and he could fly, and all he had was a leatherette jacket, a backpack of a couple canisters, some jetpacks, I guess, and on the front was a dial up, down, on, off, and he had a helmet. That's all he needed. I like that. On, off, up, down. That's life right there, right? Let's not make it any more complicated. Definitely not. All right. Dial up. Catch Gary. And definitely on Fridays. Thank (laughs) you, David. And that's at 6 Eastern, 6 6 p.m. Eastern. All right. Perfect. And for everyone tuning in, stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. Have fun.